Welcome to episode 25 of the Forward from 50 podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward from 50, and your host for today's show. David Steen was an engineer for a large company who used computer-aided drafting to develop new designs. However, he had a burning desire to do more writing. Yet, even after switching to a marketing role with the same firm in order to write magazine articles and blogs, David desired more. He wasn't nearly as passionate about writing material for the company as he was about writing things that truly interested him. After celebrating his 50th birthday, and once his nine children started lives of their own, David found more time to pursue his own dream of writing a book. An idea had been percolating in his mind for several years he wanted to share it with the world. He thought too many people were trapped in an unproductive rat race pursuing what they thought was the American dream. They were singularly focused on finding a good job, getting married, raising a family, building a house, and fortifying it as a castle so everyone could live happily ever after. By themselves, those are admirable things to pursue, yet doing so often left people isolated from the rest of the community around them. David felt the American dream ideal needed to change so people could create a successful life without shutting out everyone else around them. A new American dream was needed in which people worked to create a community where they could help others, while others helped them so everyone could thrive together. To convey his ideas about redefining the American dream around family and purposeful living to serve God, he wrote a book entitled Almost Home, Setting Our Sights Toward Heaven. It describes David's journey through life and his 24-year marriage, as well as the challenges of forming a stepfamily and how it all caused him to grow. He also describes his family's work to build their dream house. To tell us more about his vision for a new American dream, please welcome David Steen to the show. Thanks for joining me today, David. I really appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about where you are now and what you did for a living. Good morning, Greg. It's great to visit with you today. Glad to be on with you. So I'm in, in the extreme western side of Arkansas in Hartford, about as close to Oklahoma as you can get. And uh, I'm sure you can tell by my accent that I've been in Arkansas most of my life. So moved here when I was about seven, when my dad got out of the Navy after his 20 years of service. And my mom and dad started a new life in Arkansas where they were born and raised and started over but I've been here most of my life and call this home. And what did you do for a living before you turned 50? I was working in a large corporation for about 16 years. I did computer-aided drafting for this company and loved it and really enjoyed it. But through the course of events, as I got older and a little more experienced in that role in the engineering department, I really longed to be more involved in writing. God really put a bug in my ear to start writing and our family was growing, doing a lot of different things with the growth of our family. We, my wife and I've been married for 24 years and have nine children. And so we just had a lot going on that really got the attention of ourselves and others to, uh, to really put me in a mode for writing. And so for the next 12 years after engineering work, I jumped off into a role in marketing inside the same company. So that was a total of about 28 years. And so that was a really good journey, a wonderful experience, but there came a time for me to, to leave that in my rear view mirror and go in a new direction. Okay. 
And so what did you decide to do then after you turned 50? So it was really a little before 50, actually. I'm 54 now, but I really, in that marketing role as a product manager, I really enjoyed the writing piece of it. I did blogs, I did magazine publication articles. And so that was my first experience in becoming a published author. And so that was great. But somewhere in the middle of all that, I was really just not as passionate about their stuff as I would be about my own as far as writing goes. So I really just desired to get moving in a direction of pursuing my own dreams. I'd had a book in my mind for years that I really wanted to write. And so that really set me on a course to be looking toward the door and looking toward being able to move in a direction that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to move in, but for certain pursuing my passion in my own writing. Okay. So did you eventually leave that job entirely or are you still working a bit? I did. I left that job in January of 21. So I've been out for almost two and a half years now. And have you published a book? I have. I pursued that book writing experience and loved it and got that book put in my hands in April of this year, first week of April, 2023. And so I've got pre-published copies and we've got a launch date of October the 3rd of this year that we're excited to get that book out to the world. Okay. So it's on its way. So people can pre-order it perhaps. It's here. Yeah. You, you can go to all the online sites everywhere out there and order the book today. What's the book about? So this book is called Almost Home, Setting Our Sights Toward Heaven. And it really talks about our journey through pursuing the American dream and really goes through the course of our 24 year marriage, our experience with our step family and the growth of that family. It was about pursuing our dreams and building our dream house. And one of the things that I really try to home in on in, in all the stories I tell about ourselves, our pursuit of those dreams is leaning in and listening to the Lord and really focusing on God and what direction he would have us to go. And in the end of that story, really, it was really interesting because at the beginning, when I started writing and pursuing this, you know, I had thoughts of what I wanted a book to be and everything, but as it was unfolding, as my corporate career was coming to an end and God closed some doors and opened others, it really sparked some other things in the book that I really wanted to be sure and include because it was really a big part of the story about trying to create the life we wanted, the life we desired. We moved to a farm in 2017 that we purchased, and it had been our dream for a very long time to get to this farm on 10 acres. And so we really talk about that in the book with not only just getting out of the corporate life, not just pursuing our dreams, but about creating the life we wanted and the lifestyle we're trying to create. So I'm really in the midst of that now that I've got a published book and creating that life that we want without going in a wrong direction. It's interesting. You start thinking about, I got a book, I'm trying to market it. I'm trying to create an audience and do things with that. And at the same time, I'm trying to pursue and chase after more things that are going to create a life that I'm not interested in. So that's part of the journey as well. I like the topic of the American dream because 
I've read something recently, I can't remember exactly where, but they said that a significant portion of young people already believe they will never achieve the American dream. And the American dream, how would you define it? Tell you, when I was growing up, Greg, the American dream was to get a good job, have a family, raise a family, and have your house, build your house, build your castle, right? And dig the moat and defend it and live happily ever after. And we have the freedom to do that, right? In the United States. And the challenge with that, especially as you pursue that dream, the American dream biblically, is that God never intended us to live on an island, to dig the moat, to be alone, to be isolated. Certainly there's a lot of things going on in, in a lot of movements with people moving out in the middle of nowhere and having a cabin or nothing wrong with all that. But I think that American dream picture that I had in my mind personally, I didn't really think about that being developing the community around you that we need. And really a lot of people don't understand how much they really need that community. And so that's what we're learning as we explore the American dream that we're really trying to set out and have is to be able to not only create that lifestyle, have a home, have a successful pursuit, pursuing your passions and have a successful family life, but not to leave everyone else out. We want to be sure to include and create that community around us so that we can help them and they can help us and, and be able to thrive together. I think that's absolutely correct because nowhere in the Bible does God or Jesus even tell us to get a nice little situation going for ourselves and then sit back and just bask in your own happiness kind of thing. Right. We're always challenged to go out and build the kingdom and to serve other people. Right. Yeah. So what kinds of things did you discover in writing the book about serving other people? Oh, I tell you, Greg, it was about learning how to lean into my family. We moved to this farm and got going on the book and was serving other people. It was helping them develop themselves as well. And it's, it, that it's not just about me. And we really have, have enjoyed being in this community, developing relationships with neighbors that we do things for them. They do things for us. So it's been about being a servant to others in that way. And so as I worked on the book, it was, and came out of the corporate world, part of the challenge of that was creating a new schedule, creating a new discipline to do the things I need to do. In the first year after I was out of actual work life and being on a farm, it, and I've heard this from a lot of retirees, a lot of older people that have gotten to this point that you tend to get busy on your chore list. I had a very long chore list on this farm we live on and clearing fences and doing a lot of things to establish what we have here. And so it was the challenge of creating a balance, a work-life balance where I didn't have work anymore. And so I had to really focus and set out to, to do that in a meaningful way. And I'm quite frankly, still working out the kinks in that with a lot of older children now, our youngest is 15. And so we're at a different place with older children and learning all their activities and where they come and go and getting in the job and, and working world. So that's some of our challenge as well. 
I can imagine. I had three daughters, and I don't know what I'd do with nine kids. That would be an entirely different lifestyle. It is. And I tell you, we, we're, with our youngest being 15 and our oldest being 33, probably part of our biggest challenge right now is learning how to be adult, be a mom and dad to adult children and be able to speak into their life and nurture that while at the same time creating boundaries and rules about that and learning how to, how to close your mouth or open it at the right times. So that's a new part of our existence. That's right. Parenting never ends. It's just, that's right. The way it's done changes and that's it. Yeah. That's very cool. I know there's a big trend in America right now about homesteading and developing that community around home. Is that what Almost Home is talking about? Not exactly. I tell you, when we moved here, we did have our sights on getting off the grid, getting separated from a lot of the activities in the world, per se, especially getting unplugged more. But the almost home theme comes from the idea that when we built our dream house, the one we had before this, that we actually did build and with the help of a lot of folks, we had our mindset on that house, on that place, on this perfect place you envision of building that, that wonderful dream house that you're always going to live in for the rest of your life. You see all these places like that in TV shows and, and certainly some people might experience that in their family life with multi-generational families. But I think part of the process that we were learning that God was teaching us was that we put too much of our mindset on that house, on all the stuff we were heaping up around us. And so whenever we bought this farm that was really quite a challenge for us. It was further out than we wanted it to be. And the house was stable, but it needed a lot of work and it wasn't perfect. It had different things. And so God really planted in my heart, the idea that, oh, wow, I need to not latch on to all the perfect features I want in a home, in a place and put my focus on heaven, think beyond this place and stop holding on to things so tightly with such a tight grip. Okay. I'm going to create this place on earth and it's going to be mine. And this is where I'm going to live happily ever after. When in fact, the happily ever after is heaven. It's beyond this place. And so it, it, it was really a time where God just spoke to me. You know, I've grown up in church and been in church most of my life and probably heard it over and over about we're supposed to be thinking about heaven and we're going to heaven as a believer. But I really, it really didn't settle into me until about that time that, wow, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a sojourner. I'm a pilgrim traveling through this place where there's more to it than just this home that I'm going to build. There's more to it than just a homestead. And certainly we did as far as the homesteading part of it goes. And we're still experimenting and thinking and trying different things, but we really had a lot of fun over the last five or six years with the five kids that we still had at home with us at the time to let them explore, to let them be entrepreneurs, to let them grow the animals and the crops and the gardens and sell things and experience 
all the benefits and rewards and challenges and everything that came with that. And so that, that was an amazing journey. We homeschool our kids and the, the homeschooling process was part of that learning of being on the farm and growing things and experiencing it and experiencing losses. We had multiple different types of animals and things the kids were growing and they invested their own time, their own money, their own sweat equity in what they were doing. And so it was a, it has been a great education for them as well as us to, to realize things that work and others that don't. So that's been a good experience for us. I would agree. I come from Wisconsin and there are a lot of farm families up there. In fact, my father grew up on a farm and with a large family, he had 11 kids in his. And oh, wow. Everybody learned the responsibility. People who live on farms, they just, they look at life differently than people who grow up in cities. That's for sure. They realize yeah, yeah. A, how fragile life could be, like you'd said, with the losses and things like that, but also the work that's involved to make things grow and to protect the animals and everything that goes on with the farm. The work does never end. It's just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You had been talking about this idea of accumulating things, and that's what a lot of people tend to do in life. I know I was guilty of it as well. When I had a home, it was all about getting stuff and you'd fill up the closets with stuff. And when the closets got full, you'd move it to the garage. When the garage got full, you'd move it to the attic. When the attic got full, you'd rent outside storage just to hold stuff. Do you have any advice for people about decluttering from that kind of mindset or those kinds of accumulations? I tell you, that's, I think it starts with kids, especially. I think we learned that from accumulating all the things we thought the kids wanted, needed. They have birthdays, you have Christmas, and you always think you got to buy them gifts and big things. And But I think for us, one of the things we really tried to discourage was a toy mindset. Everybody thinks they have to have uh, everything for their kid, every ride-on toy, everything imaginable. But when they're standing at the toy store, that when they're standing at the bo big box store and looking at those things, the thought never occurs to them, where am I going to put this? Today's a summer day. You can go to the store and buy a trampoline for your kids, but then what are you going to do with it when winter gets here? And so you, you can probably in any, most any place in the United States, you could drive anywhere in about five minutes, find some household that's got everything they've ever bought all over the yard, every, everywhere you look. And there was never a thought as to where they're going to put this or where it's going to stay after they've purchased it. And then that goes into adult toys, right? So people think they got to have a camper, a boat, a four wheeler, a motorcycle, and all these things, things are great, but if all these things own us, and then we've got to figure out how to store them. That just creates more expense, right? So that would be my advice is to really think through what are you going to do with this thing when you get tired of it in 60 days, six months, next year, what are the ongoing expenses you're going to have? You know, how many people will take all their stuff and when they run out of the garage space, the closet space, the attic space, then they go rent a storage building. And so then everywhere you go in the country, there are storage buildings full of stuff that people are never going to use there. 
And I actually talked to somebody that did, was in the mini storage business several years ago. And he said, generally, as best I recall, he said, generally you'll get somebody that comes in there, piles up the mini storage. And in about 90 days, they stop making the payment on the storage building. They never come back for their stuff because they've thought in their mind, the payment I'm making on this little storage space is not worth the junk I have inside of it. So they just forget about it and leave it there. And I think that's extremely common more than we think. I think you're right. They've made a TV show out of that, right? Storage wars where the people yeah, kind of yeah. bid on that and then go through all of the things that they find in the storage units. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. I know that we have endured the same kind of thing years ago with our daughters is the idea that they need the newest toy and newest gadget, newest trinket and birthdays and Christmas. We would spend an enormous amount of money on things that brought joy for a day maybe a week, if you're lucky, yeah. a month, if it's super good. And we just decided as a family that we would stop doing that. And the kids were teenagers at that time. And I approached them and said, for Christmas this year, let's give everybody gifts. Why don't we go take a trip somewhere? And I told them that I'd be willing to pay for airline tickets to California and hotel rooms so that we could go to Disney World and go out to San Diego for a while. Uh, would you folks be willing or would you gals be willing to do that? But here's the caveat. You have to buy two meals for the entire family. And yeah. these aren't like McDonald's meals. These are going to cost yeah. you some money. And they thought about it for about four nanoseconds. They were all on board. And we've stopped doing that. We've stopped giving those Christmas gift trinkets. And we've always looked for ways to share an experience together. That's awesome. Uh, when you were doing this, did it create any challenges for you to leave your job, to embrace this writing career on your own? I tell you, the financial piece of it was a pretty big deal, but we had been employing biblical financial principles for our entire marriage, my entire adult life, making sure we were planning for the future. And so as we got to that place and it was really not necessarily completely intentional to get to that place, but at exactly where I jumped off the corporate ladder, but we had really set in motion a lot of things. We were really seeking to, to save money, get out of debt. And before I came to the end of that corporate career, we had paid off everything. We had been chasing after that for a very long time, making sure that we were working toward paying off everything. And so that really eased the, the burden of the financial piece of it. Certainly bills don't go away. The electric and water and everything else still has to stay on and insurance and such, but it really eased the burden of stepping out of that corporate life and not needing that much income anymore. So that was one of the challenges and still is we're, we're in a faith walk. And after I got to the end of my career and I did get some severance pay for a little while, almost a year. And when we got to the end of that, we were still just in some savings we had developed to be able to live off on, off of and pursue my calling. And so part of that was my wife going back to work. She hadn't worked it for the majority of our marriage. I've been the chief breadwinner, but God just worked it out for her to be able to go and do some elder care ministry that was paid 
And that's where she is right now today is working for a couple that, that she cares for during the day. And so that's helping sustain us as we take this walk of faith and develop my writing career and grow this book business. And so that was one of the big challenges. And in addition to that, what I spoke of earlier is learning how to be disciplined and do the things that, that you need to do, even though you've got all day long and you don't have a strict schedule, getting off the going to work at eight o'clock and getting off at five in the evening for 28 years. It's a huge challenge when you jump out of that and just have a wide open palette or canvas with your day to be able to do whatever you want, even though you've got a lot of responsibilities to keep up with. So that, that's a big challenge. How do you maintain that kind of self-discipline that's needed to get all the essential things done every day without wanting to crawl back into bed and take a nap after you've done your chores? I tell you, Greg, I've always been an early riser, probably been getting up at five o'clock or so for the majority of my adult life. So that was a great habit. I get up early in the morning, have my quiet time, prayer time and coffee time, which I love dearly, but it was really about just creating good habits and knowing your priorities. I'm still a little bit of a mess with to-do lists. So I'm a to-do list person and I keep all these things in my head and especially with the writing piece of it, I'm always got ideas coming out of my head constantly. So I'm always taking my notepad, my journal, my phone that I keep notes on and constantly uh, making sure that I capture that stuff when I things that I'm going to write about on my blog and on my website and in future books. And, but it's also about making sure that I create spaces. I've got an office that, that I built out in the garage that I do a lot of my writing and thinking and journaling in. So I go out to that office as often as I can and really am purposeful about it because it's, it's a place where I get away from everybody else, get away from all the distractions, get away from all the electronics and I can go there and think, and it, it's hard to describe other things that we do is I enjoy my wife and I enjoy, and actually our whole family does. We've got a creek that, that we walk to as often as we can get to it. And so it's about getting, getting out into nature in mindfulness to be able to take in the Lord's creation and be around it and just take that time to think and reflect. And most people don't even know what that is. I believe, I think I'm, I would agree you know, that's with a that. deal. The tremendous healing properties being out in nature as well. Yeah, when absolutely. You look at it, you read the Bible. Jesus got out into the wilderness whenever he could. And he just, that's where he got his strength and he was able to just tune out all of the other distractions. And imagine the distractions that they had in Jesus's time compared to the distractions we have today. It's a flood or a waterfall of distractions every single day. Yeah, I like the idea of you getting out into nature. How much time do you spend writing every day? Well, it varies. I go in spurts. Some days it might be 30 minutes to an hour. Other days it might be four or five. Okay. Right now, it's funny. I love looking back at my journals, which I keep religiously. And this time last year, I was really getting fired up to finish my book last year. And I think I spent the better part of July and August of last year, probably 
four to six hours a day out in my office in the afternoons when it's blazing hot outside. And I purposely put a really nice air conditioner in that room out there so I can go out there, tune out everything and just zone in and write. So I think I just do it in seasons, but I certainly to do different spurts of it every day for sure, Mm -hmm. especially journaling and things like that. Now that you've done writing, you're done writing that book, what are you focusing your writing on now? Right now, I've got a blog on my website that I'm doing. I I did a blog about a dozen years ago for fun and enjoyment and didn't really do anything with it beyond just going on there and posting. But I do write a blog once a week that I've started a little while back and also creating posts for social media posts and intentionally trying to develop that habit and be, uh, try to be effective in that arena of the world. And also as I journal regularly, as I think those thoughts, when I go to the Creek or when I go walk on our property, a lot of that is future seeds for what my next books are. I've got about four or five more books in the shoot that I've got in mind, that I've got a lot of material that I've developed over the years. And so, yeah, I just keep at it and pursue it regularly. And I'm, I think I'm getting better and better at, at developing that habit. What are some of the themes of your blog? Let's see the one I did this week, I just talked about God's abundance in summer. So this last week we switched from spring to summer. And, and if you're in a part of the world where we actually do see seasons, as opposed to other parts that it seems the same all the time in Arkansas, it sure enough is a change of season. And so I, I talked about some of the things that I saw on our property. We have wild cherries growing on a wild cherry tree and uh, we went picking blueberries at a blueberry farm last weekend. And so I just talk about different things like that helps us focus on nature, on God's abundance, on the switch from spring to summer and the seasons and how God always provides for us. So these are some of the things that I just try to go through in my blog and just put pictures with it and thoughts about the Lord and a focus toward that. I'm envious of anybody who has seasons here in Phoenix. We just go from warm to hot to scorching and that's it. Everything remains pretty much the same, the brown and the muted colors. So I like going back to the Midwest to visit, just to enjoy that green space. What advice would you give to people over 50 to help them identify or to pursue their passions? Oh, wow. I've been a book guy for my whole adult life. I'm a guy that pursues personal improvement, professional improvement books. So I would say seek out good material, good purposeful material, instead of just reading a bunch of junk or listening to a bunch of junk, find purposeful podcasts or books or groups, online groups that you can join up with that are going to be about what you're pursuing and certainly about trying to find your passion. Some people don't even know what to pursue, right? And I think that's maybe the gist of your question is how do I find that passion? You're going to have to look inward, look to the Lord, get on your face before God, surround yourself with people that are really interested in developing a positive future for you. You can, you can get all the advice on the planet you want, but you really need to 
get advice from people that are interested in a positive development of you instead of driving you to something that maybe you don't really need. And so get into books that are going to help you find that passion, find that calling that the Lord has created you to be and, and don't give up on it. Certainly 50 is a lot different, I think in this day and time than it was years ago. But I tell you, even as I wanted to do this interview with you and saw the title of the podcast about the focus being on after you turn 50, I tell you, my wife and I are 54 and we just feel as energetic as we ever, ha ever have. And, and in fact, we feel even better because now we have 25 or 30 years of wisdom and experience to go with it. So we're excited to, to pursue all of God's next steps for us over the next 30, 40, or however much longer the Lord would have us to be on the earth. I like your advice about reading books that would require you to shut off the television, stop streaming Netflix and going to all those news sites that are going to sap you of your energy and just leave you with nothing but hopelessness and anger. It's amazing what you can do just by changing the input coming into your mind. Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. I, we actually don't watch much TV at our house at all. Don't encourage it. And we, we actually started pursuing that a dozen or so years ago. And that's been something to just shut off a good bit of the world. But for me, I've always been a news junkie and didn't even realize how much that affected my thinking. But I would say in the last year, I, especially as I've put more focus on my writing and what I need to be doing, I have tapered off my exposure to news to nearly nothing. And I've seen the benefits of that. Every once in a while, I'll see something pop up on social media, or I'll see something on a news site that I haven't been to in a long time, but it's rare. And I really don't care anymore because there are a plethora of people out there that can spend all their energy pursuing all that, all they want, but it's not going to be me. Exactly. Because I don't want that input anymore. I had the same epiphany last Thanksgiving when they were starting the 2024 presidential race, even before the ballots were counted in 2022. And I said, I am not going to do this. I can't handle this for two years. And so I shut off the news at that point and I have not been to another news site. It's rare that I will actually read a news story and I will do only because I subscribe to the Babylon Bee, which is my favorite satirical news site. And some of yeah. the things that they write about just don't make sense without the context <laughs> of what's going on in the world. So I'll have to do yeah, that. I my, one of my daughters is a subscriber to that as well. And she'll send me a link to something on there. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Exactly. Thank you, David. I really appreciate the time. This has been very beneficial and I've enjoyed hearing about your dream and I cannot wait for the book to come out. Tell everybody how they can connect with you and where can they pre-order your book? So they can go directly to my website, which is www.almosthomebooks.com almosthomebooks.com. And if they want to reach out to me, they could send me an email at david at almosthomebooks.com. So when you go to my website, all the links are there to all the online book sites to be able to go directly to them. So it gives you all the choices. So essentially you could go to wherever books are sold on all the sites online to, to order the books today. That's excellent. Thank you again for your time, David. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best of luck going forward. 
Thanks a lot, Greg. I really appreciate being here. David Steen is a visionary who saw a flaw in the way people were living their lives, and he developed a mission to help them alter the trajectory to enjoy happier, more fulfilling lives by helping others around them. When his family built their dream home on a 10-acre farm, they could easily have done what so many other people do every day as they lead quiet lives of desperation. Rather than adults spending most of their lives in offices and children locked inside of classrooms, David and his wife envisioned a different kind of future for their family. It involved creating new schedules and setting new priorities as they developed a new type of homestead. It meant homeschooling their children and giving them responsibilities to care for the farm and help with the house. The children were encouraged to invest their own time, money, and sweat equity into growing crops, raising animals, or whatever else inspired them. The family had to declutter from years of accumulating things that brought short-term joy but eventually required more and more storage space. Rather than giving up the best hours of his day to an employer, David started investing his creative energy in developing a business of his own. That required him to turn off the news and other things that affected what he thought about and the way he saw the world around him. Doing so opened his eyes to the way David and his family could make a difference in the lives of others. He spent more time in relationship with God and other people who were truly interested in helping him become a better person. More importantly, David and his wife realized they had decades of accumulated wisdom and experiences that they could put to better use by helping others to improve themselves. I found David's story to be inspirational and that it opened new doors for him, but also showed him ways to inspire other people to improve their own lives. To connect with David, visit www.almosthomebooks.com or email him at david at almosthomebooks.com. People can order David's book, Almost Home, Setting Our Sights on Heaven, on Amazon. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or get help planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. I'll have another interesting interview on the next episode of the Forward From 50 podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you like the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.